Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, Google goes headfirst into the video game world. Can us build on the success of Get Out? And what happens when we go into trailer overload? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glasser from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great programs. But it wouldn't be a PCC Multiverse without my good friend. He is the trailer hunter for Humanica Media. You got to check out everything that they're doing today on HumanicaMedia.com, Humanica Media on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and so much more. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. I know you've been doing some trailer hunting and slapping on our Pop Culture Cosmos channel for everybody to enjoy. That's right. Yeah, you can go on the old YouTube page right now for Pop Culture Cosmos, and please subscribe. We'd greatly appreciate that. And uh, check out all the latest trailers, including Aladdin, Shazam, Avengers. We got all the good stuff. Even even uh, The Missing Link and Ugly Dolls, a movie that looks awful, but uh, you can still check out the trailer. It's up there. Check it out, please. Thank you. Well, speaking of trailers, and please, yes, I agree with Josh as well that you need to go ahead, if you can, subscribe to our YouTube channel, plus all the great things that we're doing on our social media. You follow us on all those aspects so you can get the latest and greatest on not only what we're doing at Pop Culture Cosmos, but also you can get the latest and greatest news in the realm of pop culture. But speaking of trailers, we're going into trailer overload later on in the program where we talk about a lot of great trailers that are out there, including Cobra Kai, Deadwood, Stranger Things, Season 3, John Wick 3, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Toy Story 4, and more. We're going to be talking about all those trailers, about if we're excited for the pictures that the trailers are based off, or if we think that it's not looking so hot as of now. We're going to be talking about that. Plus, also on the back end of the show, Jordan Peele's Us is debuting this weekend at the box office. It's expected to do around $50 million here in the United States domestically, which gets it off to a very, very good start. There's a lot of expectations on this movie because of the hit movie that he had in 2017, Get Out, one of the best movies from that year and actually one of the best movies to come out in a long time. That's a mighty threshold to uphold when you've got Get Out there. 
Does us look like it's going to be able to match or even beat that threshold? We're going to talk about that on the back end of the program. Plus, also as well, we have some great songs from our good friends, Plasma Z and Hyperschmidt. And remember, Hyperschmidt and Vedius is going to be part of our great charity event next month in April at Retro City Games in Henderson. And we'll be giving you more details on that later in the program as well. But my friend, you wanted to talk about this at length, so I'm giving you the floor. We're going to be going back and forth on this because Google has done it again. They have now introduced at the latest Game Developers Conference this year in San Francisco, their entry, I guess, into the video game marketplace, not just talking about what they're doing as far as streaming, because yes, it is going to incorporate more the YouTube streaming aspect that they already are trying to delve into quite a bit already. But this is an actual full-fledged game streaming system. You go ahead, it just bypasses the console in this case. Their vision from what I was able to ascertain was that you can take pretty much any game that's going ahead and be placed on the platform. Let's take like, for example, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, one game that you like very much. Let's say Assassin's Creed Odyssey goes up on Google Stadia. You'll be able to get it, purchase it, play it with very little to no loading times and be able to just stream it from any internet-capable device that can be able to handle the output that in order to go ahead and be able to get that nice streaming platform. And it's going to be able to bypass any type of console or hardware that's needed for it because there is no console or hardware needed other than the internet device that you're putting on, whether it's a smart TV, whether it's a laptop, what have you. Your thoughts on what's going on with Google Stadia It was a big announcement. It actually has brought a lot of awareness and surprise and a lot of interest from gaming fans out there, but it's also kind of made the console makers at Nintendo, Sony, and Xbox a little nervous as well. I have an issue with this. You know, I I love the idea of being able to play anywhere, do anything. Wait, 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 wait. Just one? I have many issues with this. Beyond the fact that it's just, it's something that doesn't need to happen. It's the, the idea that, they are really, if you look at all the stuff that they offer, the fact that you can press a button, takes you right to the YouTube page. Uh, you press another button, it'll stream, or press another button, and it'll shoot you right into the games of your favorite streamers. The accessibility on the controller, fantastic. But it's just the fact that it is connected so much to YouTube, where people are streaming games and all the popular YouTubers are. It almost feels like they are trying to monopolize the gaming industry and i'm pretty sure that's what they're trying to do well let let me ask you a question first isn't that the goal of of all of them i mean twitch would love to go ahead and have that type of platform it's been selling games on their own as far as within their own marketplace so they're trying to go ahead and do this something uh, they don't have the capability to do something like that yet per se but i'm sure that would be the end goal Walmart's been even talked about. They've uh, they've actually sent out some feelers and possibly even put doing something within their own streaming marketplace. And you know what comes down the line for the console makers, whether it's a console-less system. You know Microsoft, any of them, could probably do something similar as well. Right. But what Google is trying to do is monopolize everything, though, whereas Sony and Xbox, the market has always been very balanced based on who has the exclusive content that people want to play, right? You got your Uncharted's on PlayStation, you got your uh, Halos on Xbox, you got your Super Mario's on Nintendo, and that's always created a very delicate balance. So 
you want one thing, you buy the console to play it. Or if you're one of those people who plays your Call of Duties, obviously it doesn't matter what you play on. But what Google is trying to do is they're trying to monopolize everything. They want you to say, okay, here, all you got to do is buy our controller, use our, our Stadia app, and you can play whatever you want, wherever you want. And well, see, they would have to get the permission from Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft when it comes to first-party games, which I'm not sure they're going to get. No, I know that. But if they end up getting backed into a corner, who knows what could happen? So it, it basically, like what this is going to do is create a big war for game devs. You know, we're, much like what Microsoft's doing right now, buying up game devs, it's going to be the survival of, you know, the classics, the, the survival of Sony, Nintendo, Xbox. It's all going to hinge on who has what developers in their pocket. Because if Google is able to buy you know google has google is just money google is all money and you know and they could buy whatever they want they can do whatever they want you know if they end up getting devs in their pockets especially with like their dev kits you know you can make whatever you want so if that becomes a huge platform then the only thing that's going to keep the the big three alive is the exclusive content that they provide and you know another thought is what google is doing Phil Spencer's already been been working on for years. They're supposed to announce it too at at E3 about the the partnership play uh you know play Xbox Games Pass anywhere you want to go and any and uh on any screen. They kind of been working on that. The idea where you can plug your phone into an Xbox controller and uh you know go from there. So, you know, I don't know, does this need to happen? I don't think so. I know that we're all leaning towards towards streaming games, and I'm going to have to get used to that, even though I still do like to buy physical copies of games. But this is a market that Google has the money to monopolize, and I just don't want to see it happen because it could... That announcement alone earlier this week, I've, I feel like is already having drastic consequences as far as it's, you know, the ripple effect that it's causing on the gaming industry. Well, Microsoft if it had got this act together, could have very easily done the same thing because they already have their own, you know, streaming service as far as Mixer is concerned that you can go ahead and watch games on the fly and have them stream to that service and watch other people can watch everything that's going on. Plus, they also have an infrastructure in place that could very easily translate into their own gaming service with, you know, their search engines that they already have out there. And the fact that they still have the killer marketplace when it comes to actual operating software. So this could have been easily announced by Microsoft very uh, much sooner to the extent that they could have incorporated all these things into one already. I know Xbox Live could be going anywhere. Well, it is what they're calling it, Xbox Live anywhere at this point in time. So yes, it could be very simply put that they will be able to do something like that very similar to what Google has to offer. It just becomes the console wars all over again, but it will be without a console per se at some point in time down the road, which is kind of funny and, and, and how history is kind of cycling and repeating itself because I just got finished with a book that you've already read, Console Wars, and it did describe in detail the console wars in the 90s with what went on between Sega and Nintendo, especially when it concerns the domestic marketplace here in the U.S. It was a very interesting read, and I highly recommend it. 
tails off a little bit too soon at the end uh, for such a long book. I think it de didn't detail the, the downfall quite as well as I'd hoped, but for the most part where it details the rise of Sega and the battles in between reminds me of what we're going to be going through possibly in the near future with Google Stadia, what Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo might have in mind as well. Yeah, it's interesting because what that's going to do is obviously it's not going to put the retro gaming stores out of business, but it's going to be one of those things where you can no longer because if you I think we talked about this already, but if you go into Target, they had they're clearancing a bunch of games because they're narrowing their gaming sections down to one one standalone section on that aisle. And the rest of it's reserved for gaming, digital cards, uh, gaming accessories, stuff like that. So if you go into Targets, they just have these end caps are just full of games that they're trying to get rid of costco doesn't even sell games anymore there's a lot of these these stores that you used to be able to go and, and buy these games that you just you can't do it anymore because they are making the jump to digital and it's the same thing with film and cds and all that stuff so physical media is going away really quickly and there was a you know at one time we thought that it wouldn't touch the gaming industry at least not in the the manner that it has touched all the others but you know it's happening and with xbox putting out the uh the gameless console you know where you you stream or you download the game like that's just another step moving us towards that medium but how do you feel about that because i don't want that i like physically going and buying things i like having you know looking over seeing them in my shelf and i i like collecting things i like the collectability of games i used to be like that as far as collecting games in fact over the holiday i was able to be fortunate enough to actually collect a series of games that i got on sale whatnot because of massive sales all right i love to go ahead and get those deals but i do buy streaming games i do buy downloadable games and if it means a savings for me which it doesn't usually right away in the life cycle of a video game but over the course of time, you usually have a tendency to see bigger deals on the streaming platforms as far as games that are, can be downloaded than you would, per se, in, in right. a physical format. So, you, Well, I mean, you, you see that. You see... Because it's, uh, it's, it's a cost and effect. I, yeah, and I, I get that. But it's not always the best cost and or the best price. Because, you know, Microsoft always has the sale on the Xbox marketplace, right? Like the, the, this week, you can get the Witcher whatever the, the gold edition of Witcher 3 is for $13. And I'm probably going to invest in that. Far is that Cry. the complete edition or the gold edition? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. If it's um, the complete edition, I'm going to check that out. Yeah, well, they have the Witcher. They have like two or three different versions and they, they, go, they start like 15 bucks. But and again, like last week, Far Cry 5 was on sale, right? 15 bucks. You go to, to Target or or you know wherever and you find far cry for 60 bucks still so it, it's yes you do get better deals on that but then on the opposite side of that coin you go on amazon for example you know i was looking at this the other day kingdom hearts 3 59.99 for the digital version but they had the actual physical copy on sale for like 30 bucks so you don't always get the better deals with digital like from especially because the there's no markup on on digital codes, so retailers don't really make anything off of them, whereas they make a very, very tiny amount of money on selling physical copies. So I'm just it, it's it's a landscape that I'm not ready to dive into quite yet. And by the way, for twelve dollars, it is the regular version of The Witcher three on the X Xbox Live marketplace. If you want the complete edition, it is $15 right now at the Xbox Live Marketplace. So that's probably the one I would recommend. That's the probably one, probably the one I'm going to buy. And as of this recording, and actually as 
when this drops, there'll be five days left. So if you are interested in The Witcher 3 on Xbox Live, go ahead and grab it while you can. It's at a big, huge discount. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? Looking for an edge? The next time you take on your favorite video game? Then check out Vitabrace High Performance Gamer Wristbands. Packed with the power of fruit seed oil, Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve performance, giving you a better gaming experience. Head to MiracleFruitOil.com and use the promo code MEDIA10 to get $10 off your Vitabrace purchase. Whether you're looking to beat the time on your latest speedrun, or are fighting your way to the top on your favorite multiplayer or battle royale, Vitabrace can help you reach your gaming goals. Buy Vitabrace today at MiracleFruitOil.com. That's MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace. Win with it. But be that as it may, to me, it is a bigger interest. I know, and that seems weird because I used to, like I've said before, and like you just said, I ran game stores. So you'd think I would be more into the physical copies and whatnot. But I've had stacks and stacks of physical games that I never got a chance to play. For me, it's just a neater fit if it's actually somewhere digitally that I can just go ahead and download and play at any point in time. Maybe that's because I sometimes I just don't like the way it, it you know it takes up space and whatnot. But I cannot say I blame you for actually wanting the you know as many physical copies that you do. And it's, and actually in a retro sense, it is kind of cool to have those older games, the cartridges, the Nintendo GameCube disc, the where the you know the little smaller disc that you used to buy. Those type of things are of interest to me because it it has more of a retro feel. I agree with you on that. For today's modern stuff, it doesn't really bother me whether I have it on physical or downloadable data. It just it doesn't really bother me at all. But when it comes to these console-less experiences where the only thing you will have to buy out of pocket and you know, but for an accessory is a controller when it concerns Google Stadia. I mean, for a lot of people out there, it makes sense. It's very easy to go ahead and get into. I don't know if it's going to be a paid service or not, because that's something we would also have to consider as well. Is is, is this is this going to be free like like so many other aspects of the Google experience, or do we have to actually pay for the service like PlayStation Now that we see on on the PlayStation, or with Xbox Live and a membership there, or with Xbox Games Pass? Do you, I'm assuming you're going to have to pay some type of membership to go ahead and even access all any of these titles. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, the, just the stuff that it allows you to do, I don't imagine that having the infrastructure to run that kind of thing is going to be cheap. So, uh, and, you know, one thing I, I did like, I thought was cool, was that, you know how you, you send game clips to people, right, on Xbox Live or Twitch or whatever? On this one, you can actually send game clips, but your friends get to play that section of the game. So that was something that was really neat to me. But, again, you know... It's not something that is really needed. You know, as a gamer, I look at it and it's just not something that I, I'm like, oh, I want that. It's it's neat little bells and whistles, but, you know, I like gaming the way it is. You know, I like my consoles. I like my controllers. I like my headsets. I like uh, recording things with the Elgato capture card and putting it up to YouTube myself. I don't really need all that extra stuff, but I guess people like it and if if modern you know kids coming up into the gaming world have shown anything it's that they they love convenience you know they want to take as few steps to do things as possible and that's where i i feel like the 
the stadia will be the will will shine with with people like that but for you know old-fashioned gamers like you and i we we are used to a certain style of gaming and it's it it would be a very difficult period of adjustment for people like us it will be but it also makes things easier if you have the device to support it and it will have to be a device that's capable of going ahead and being able to run at a certain speed certain demographics that will be involved as well i know what was said as far as the basics on what the minimums you need to run as far as a 1080 60 frames per second stream in order to be able to play it at that speed and see it at that level is something i guess in the neighborhood of 25 megabits per second which depending on where you're at as far as your internet service is concerned it could be a lot I know playing off of a mobile phone for Google Stadia, at least on 4G, will be very difficult. You'll need at least a good Wi-Fi connection. I can assure you on that. It probably won't be until devices are abundant that are out there that are on and connected to 5G that we'll really see this come to fruition as far as from a mobile standpoint. From now, I think we'll probably see it similar to what Google's Chromecast has been enabled to be as far as in a, in a lot of 4k televisions computers and laptops and things of that nature but i also think you will like like i said we'll probably be seeing it being promoted heavily with the sale of 4k tvs that are capable of being able to be just played as far as right off of those television screens which is kind of cool that you can go ahead and say let's see let's say you buy a 55 inch television you know coming up on black friday you take that home you pop it in you bought the controller separately, and boom, you could go ahead and start with the Google Stadia service right there without even necessitating going ahead and connecting any wires or connecting a possibly even a bulky con- console that you would with the other manufacturers. So that part is appealing, and I get that. Like you said, for older gamers, it is going to be a harder transition, but we've seen this before when it comes to services. In fact, there was on live uh, if you remember on live which came out a few years ago that just fell face first but that was a concept somewhat similar to what google stadia is trying to do but on a much smaller scale google has a lot of heavyweight power behind it and if anything like this is going to be a success to me it comes from either microsoft or it comes from google well also you have to look at you know i, I kind of think about it this way too uh, anytime there's been a press conference and people are really stoked about new tech coming out, it usually is not that great. You know, it, it lasts for a little bit like the um, like the Kinect, right? Everyone's super stoked. Motion gaming. Ooh, boy. Like, that was so cool for six months. And then people just got kind of tired of it. So this Google thing, I don't think it's going to work the way that they're advertising it unless you have, you know, a great, great internet connection. And what about... Because the thing about the Xbox One is that it boasted being able to run on 4G LTE. So that was something that interests me if they're able to pull that off. But, you know, with the Google game, not everyone's going to have access to that. And the one thing I don't like about that also is it's very isolating to people who like to buy physical copies of games because they are they need the consoles because they don't have to play online. You know, they don't have an Internet that's strong enough to support streaming something like that so it kind of isolates them a little bit but at the same time not everybody has internet that's strong enough to run it like even here my internet's barely strong enough to uh you know download and install a regular game on it on a console so i don't know if i would even be able to run that 
it's it's just it's very interesting to think that they're assuming that everyone is going to be able to to ha be able to support the specs that they're putting out on this thing and if they can't run the full 60 frames per second what's going to happen to that stream dude i don't know what you're talking about man i think your service is just fine out there just go to the local store grab that aol disc and just take it right back home man and just pop it in the computer and you'll be fine that's my dial-up impersonation exactly exactly or you know CompuServe, man got to go with CompuServe. then you hook up your netscape navigator just like they did in captain marvel and there you go man that's all it takes that's all it takes or i'm sorry right now whatever it takes according Ooh. to the adventures of endgame so <laughs> yeah yeah i just this feels like a very like pinkies up guys if you're gonna buy your stadia controller you just got to be fancy and have the right internet speeds and all that stuff so I, I don't know it sounds really cool but i feel like the odds are also high that it's going to fizzle out coming out of the gate because i'm not comfortable buying a gaming system from google they've never been in the market they don't know what they're doing like it could work or it could crash or it could uh it just be what it is, but I, I I feel like the tech is cool, and I hope that Xbox and Sony kind of take some notes here on being able to play their stuff on the go. But at the same time, like you know, again, it's all going to rely on the first party publishers, and hopefully Google doesn't try to buy people out. But if that happens, then maybe we should be concerned. But at this point, it's cool, yeah. But I just I don't think it needs to be a thing. Well, maybe they took lessons. You're saying that Sony and Microsoft should take lessons on what Google Stadia might be doing wrong, but maybe they took lessons on what Microsoft has tried to do already, and even to an extent what Sony has tried to do with the Vita and its remote play. Yeah, I mean, Nintendo Switch is doing doing just the, the gaming on the go. Nintendo Switch does it right. But yeah, no, with, with the, the Stadia, like Google is already dominating so many markets. You know, they're kind of like Amazon. They don't need to get into something like this there's just there's no point you know and i know that they sit there and they kind of watch what's going off the size they've actually poached a lot of developers and you know media personalities from other gaming enterprises and have brought them into their fold so they have a lot of a brain power going on behind the scenes but at the same time you just you wonder like what is it that they have that is going to really pull people towards them right so we saw assassin's creed odyssey we saw you know they had id was there so they were running doom but it sounds to me like they don't because they don't have exclusives you know so it's really going to be just i mean maybe they will maybe i'm speaking too soon well they're coming out with their own gaming studio they just hired jade raymond who is most famous for working with ubisoft and other different publishers she's come on and believes she is going to be running the google stadia development program which will hopefully alleviate within two three years down the line that issue yeah who knows man but again like it's a market that i don't want google to be in i don't feel like they need to be in it they have enough and if they're trying to monopolize the gaming industry then you know maybe i'm just old-fashioned because i like my gaming the way that it is but it's just i don't know i don't want this to be a thing i don't like it but at the same time, like it does have some kind of cool features to it. <laughs> begrudgingly, old man, begrudgingly, you go down with a fight. Right, right. We was that uh, we won't go calm into this dark night. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much indeed. What are your thoughts out there on Google Stadia? Is it a program and a concept that you find really intriguing and appealing? And do you think it's really going to be a success? 
Or do you think it's going to go the way of recent misfires such as virtual reality and also Android consoles? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, before we get into our trailer breakdown of all the stuff that we've been watching over the course of the past few days, we're going to go ahead and play a great song from our good friend, Plasma Z. This is Shadows of Chernobyl, and this is the PCC Multiverse. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion-dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. All right, we're back, my friend, with the PCC Multiverse. I got to ask you, we've been doing some overtime on some trailer watching out there because 
this week, I don't know, it's probably one of the heaviest weeks I've ever seen as far as trailers for a lot of different pop culture properties that re- actually were very interesting to see. So I'm going to hit you with a few of them, my friend. First off, we're going to be talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the ninth film coming up from Quentin Tarantino. Because he actually tells you right there, there's, there's no guessing. It's the ninth film from Quentin Tarantino. So your thoughts on this story that's taking place around 1969. It centers around, obviously, Hollywood and an actor and his stunt double played by Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt. It centers around their story, but it also has a little bit of around what was going on at that point in time in 1969. Your first thoughts on what's going on with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Does this have you intrigued and does it have you thinking that this could be another great film from Quentin Tarantino? You got to be careful when you say great film and Quentin Tarantino. Well, he does have some classics. He has kind of made a lot of really fringe films like his last, the the late, later half of his career. So, you know, this looks looks fun. Looks like a fun movie. Uh, I might fight you on there. Uh, you know, Inglorious Bastards and Django Unchained were actually, to me, very, very strong movies. They were fringe movies. Like, I'm not saying they're bad. They're fringe. Like, they didn't know what genre to exist in. Like I said, it will have appearances by actors playing Steve McQueen, Bruce Lee, Charles Manson, and Sharon Tate. And Sharon Tate will be played by Margot Robbie, who's right. been killing it for the past few films already. So your thoughts on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? It looks like a fun movie. I mean, obviously, you know more about that time period than I do. I didn't know anything about that time period. I was still in diapers around that point in time. No, no, I'm not. I'm not calling you old, man. Jeez. No, I'm just saying that uh, you you know more of historically, like you basically what you just said, like where the time. Stuff. Of course, of yeah, course. but I, I don't I don't know anything about that era. But just watching the trailer looks fun. I like the dynamic between Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio. I'm curious what the tone of the film's going to be, though. Is it going to be one of those movies that's very aware of itself, or is it going to actually tell? A cohesive narrative because i know a lot of uh, quentin tarantino's editing he likes to do like the snap edits that go back and forth between different things at different times they didn't really give much about that away in the trailer the bruce lee parts look funny it looks like a very good period piece and it looks like the actors all had a good time doing it and that's what makes me want to go watch it john wick three i saw the latest trader and that i thought was really cool to watch i am excited for it have you watched the latest trailer for John Wick 3 Parabellum? Are you excited now to go and see John Wick for possibly the final time when it comes in May? Well, I'm going to be honest with you, Gerald. I just purchased John Wick 1. Never seen it. Bought it on Blu-ray at Target. $7. You guys should go check that out. Good deal. I'm excited to watch it. I have not watched the trailer for John Wick 3 because I need to watch John Wick 1 first. But I did see some little clips and snippets and... Anything that has Ian McShane in it, you know, is going to have a tone of sarcasm. You know, you're going to have a villain that takes himself seriously until he doesn't. And that seems like the part that Ian McShane is playing. Love Halle Berry, though. Love to see her back in action. And the part with the dogs. I just don't want to see the dogs die. You know, I know that the dogs die in John Wick 1. I've already read about that. But I just don't like movie. Like, was that movie on Netflix? Polar. Did you watch that one? Not as of yet. Okay, I got about five minutes into it, shut it off because they killed a dog on screen. I mean, he didn't actually die, but in real life, they did kill the dog in the movie 
for a laugh and i just couldn't deal with that man i i have such a hard time coping with that both you and pita yeah um, clearly yeah good old pita but um, speaking of ian mcshane how about deadwood are you excited for deadwood returning because a trailer uh, oh actually i'm sorry a teaser trailer dropped this week what are your thoughts on deadwood is timothy oliphant going to be in this movie yippers I miss that guy, man. I haven't seen him in a lot of stuff lately. Yeah, I'll, I'll go see it. I, I still, because there's like three, how many seasons of Deadwood is there? On Was HBO? three or Maybe five? Like, I can check. Yeah, but anyways, I do want to go back and watch it. That was before like my foray into cable shows, you know? So I didn't really get a chance to enjoy that one, though I always wanted to. Do love me a good Western. But my question to you is, Deadwood, it's been what? Over uh, it, I think it's three or four. Let me, that's three or four seasons. Okay. But it's been over 10 years since that show ended. So much like Rome, you know, they've been talking about making that movie for years. But do you think that it's something that people are still interested in enough to go and watch? That's an excellent question because it was three seasons long. And it does have that cult status that a lot, you know, there's a select few that really were pushing as far as a return to Deadwood. But if it was that popular in the first place, it would have been brought back for another season. It would have, would have been given more seasons by HBO, but it never really hit for the numbers that I think HBO wanted to hit. There was enough of a clamor and enough of an interest that was rekindling itself year after year after year that HBO finally said, you know what, we'll go ahead and do it. We'll go ahead and, and at least end it on a good note with a nice established movie. And it was great to see a lot of the actors getting back involved with Deadwood. So I think this will cater to those fans, but I don't think they're expecting huge numbers from it. Obviously, they're not expecting to where where they have Westworld and Game of Thrones because it never did any of those kind of numbers in the first place. So be that as it may, I still think a lot of people are excited for Deadwood. I just don't think it's going to be as many as, let's say, a like I said, a Game of Thrones or a Westworld would get on any of its regular episodes, or if it tried to do like what Game of Thrones is doing with a major conclusion that's coming up, an epic conclusion per se, that I think a lot of people are going to be tuning into. But Deadwood having its own final movie to wrap things up from so many years ago is a nice way of HBO saying, you know what, we appreciate your continued interest in the series after all these years. Yeah, and I agree with that. But you look at Entourage, right? Entourage got a movie that closed the series up two years after the show ended. So I just, I'm just curious, like, why such a big lapse here and what took it so long to get off the ground? Are people disconnected from these characters now? I'm just I, I'm curious to know how it's going to turn out, what what kind of turnout it'll get, if it's the the movie people wanted or if they even care. It's just it, I'm very interested in stuff like that because it's kind of like blade runner 2049 right like it didn't get the box office numbers that we wanted it to get because we really like that movie but it and that's just because like it was made 20 30 years after the original so it's just it's i don't know it's a nostalgia market and i'm just curious if people are still into that that's right with nostalgia it's always touch and go you don't really know if the marketplace is still interested in the product enough to go see it or if it's just something that you know they would say, hey, it'd be great to have this back on again, or at least something that's available. Maybe we'll watch it or whatnot. And then, unfortunately, when it does come out as and and comes back to light, unfortunately, you know, you don't have enough people actually watching it in the first place, or new people that want to actually get into whatever the product it was, what made it so famous after all. Stranger Things dropped its season three trailer, taking you back to the mall. 
taking you to the fun fair, taking you back to all those great things about the 1980s. Your thoughts on what's going on. They're a little bit older now. No more D&D, but there's still a great time to be had at the mall and possibly a lot of arcade action, but also a lot of monster and some mysterious paranormal action as well. Yeah, it looks cool, man. I was pretty stoked to see the trailer. I love the uh, the interaction between Steve and Dustin, I think the kid's name was. They still have that connection, and I think people really like that on-screen chemistry between them. But I, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know where it takes place, you know, because obviously it opens with Dustin coming home, and they're all hiding, and he does the tss in uh, the, the other kid's eyes. But w- what is going on? You know, they grew up, and they grew up fast. So I, I'm, I'm wondering, like, are we going to be dealing with those uh you know those story arcs where everyone's growing apart doing their own thing we you know we're not this anymore and it's hard to and you know that is a good story because it's like that whole thing where you go through puberty you stop caring about star wars and all of a sudden you're interested in women like it's a it's a cool or interesting story arc to play through but as far as like what went on in the last season and because obviously the research building or the base or whatever is being shutting down like what what is the time span in between last season and this season that's what i'm interested to know and how many times can you have the same like shady army research station be a place where you know things come out of the upside down so it's just it's I want to know more about it. I love the feel of it. I love the the mall, the mall culture, and the the soundtrack was really cool. But again, I want to know more, man. Like when it premieres July fourth, but I'm just I don't know if I can wait that long. I need another trailer. There you go. There you go. But yes, so do I. I need more of a you know more into detail about the whole thing. It, it has a feel of to me because I lived through that time like the latter stages of the 1980s, possibly like an 88 or an 89. Does it feel that way to you? Maybe or it doesn't feel 90-ish yet. It, just, it feels to me like late 80s. Yeah, it does. And it, it kind of reminds me of the, um, not quite the time frame of like mall rats, but maybe a little bit before when kids still did hang out at the mall. I guess that's not really cool anymore, but it does have a, a, a late 80s feel to it. I wouldn't say early 80s. I would say, late 80s because it does feel like it's going into the uh well the last season explored more arcade culture which was what early 80s so i'm I'm banking on this one being late 80s let's hope so because it still has that nostalgia type feel that obviously is part of the reason why so many people love stranger things and like we just talked about it's all about nostalgia what hits what misses but right now because it's new and it's fresh but still touches upon that day and age of the 80s and has a fresh type perspective of it instead of something that's rehashed. That's why Stranger Things, I think, has such a great appeal. Although, dude, we still got to go ahead and play that Stranger Things D&D at some point in time. I know that's something we got to do. Yes, please. Let's play it. There you go. There you go. We got to go ahead and stream it one of these days on our Pop Culture Cosmos channel. But you know what? It's still Stranger Things. It looks like it's going to be very good. We're both excited for it when it comes out on July the 4th. One trader hit you up on, my friend, and that is from the YouTube network itself with a series that I called one of the best of 2018, and that is Cobra Kai coming back for season two. Ralph Macchio coming back, also getting ready to fight Johnny and and his old sensei as they're teaming up once again in the trailer. It looks really good. It's funny because the first season of the series made the villain of the movie the good guy and now the perception in season two looks like the perspective is changing back 
into Ralph Macchio's character once again. So it is really a, a great dichotomy to see the transition back and forth, especially because the fact that it, it just it's such an entertaining way that they're trying to do it. And, and still, again, going back once again on nostalgia, but bringing in a new fresh perspective without ODing you on what happened in the original Karate Kid movie. Okay, give me the sales pitch here. If I were somebody who is a fan of the original Karate Kid, but I do not have YouTube read, how would you convince me to watch this show? First off, the perspective of seeing it from Johnny, who we... I mean, did you even care about what happened to him after the end of the movie? No, not at all. This series not only goes and makes you care because it is so well written, it is it is shot and done so well from his perspective. It makes you care about what has gone on in his life to make it such a you know turn to turn it into such a bad deal for him because the fact that he lost that fight in that movie and his whole life suffered for it. And the way they show it, the way they that especially in the early episodes, the way he perceives life because of it and and how much of his life has become a failure because of it. It's so tremendously well-written. It's done so well, and it shows Ralph Macho's character from the hero perspective that he had in The Karate Kid, and not only does a great job with Johnny, but it, his character, Ralph Macho's character, Danny, it shows him in a much different light as well, all emanating from that fight in Karate Kid, and it shows him in that first season in a different perspective totally they both did it's like freaky friday the old movie where they both switched roles and they did it in such a great fashion it is rare the opportunity whether it's a film television show professional wrestling the sports genre or whatever as far as from a narrative perspective and create a scenario where you have a hero and a villain and so expertly transform them both into the exact opposite of what they were it is just so well done in season one. And then by the end, again, it leads to another competition. And I won't tell you how it turns out. It just brings out all those great things that we saw from the original Karate Kid movie, transforms it, changes it, gives you a new perspective, but builds upon it to make an even better series. All right, I'll check it out. I'm interested now. You got me, uh, you got me curious about it. So I'll, I'll go check it out. Oh, and one last thing, Toy Story 4. Toy Story 4, my friend, we got a chance to see that trailer this week, dealing more with the new character that Woody is trying to go ahead and save and and help reach that new perspective that Woody and so many of the other characters have been able to reach over the course of time. Within the first three movies of Toy Story, they're trying to teach a new character that perspective, how toys are so important to children at that point in time in their lives. Your thoughts on Toy Story 4, it looks like another buddy road movie type deal again. It looks very much similar to, I guess you'd say what, Toy Story 1? It has a lot of similar elements to Toy Story 1. Yeah, it's with the uh, the sport guy. I gotta say, I'm not like it. There's not a thread in Toy Story anymore that really binds me to any of the characters. You know, before it was the relationship between the toys and Andy, that doesn't exist anymore. So really the movies are just movies you know they're just they're going from one place to another uh they brought little bo peep back and they have the you know the dummies are kind of creepy but uh, it's just i i'm not really interested in this movie and it's just if you watch the trailer if you look at the trailer it feels like it has a 
straight to DVD quality of Disney sequels. Did you get that from watching it? In a way, yeah. I mean, because it is, I mean, it's been so long, man, since Toy Story 3. So maybe that's probably the reason why. Well, it also feels like they're doing all these callbacks and kids who are going to see Toy Story 4 right now who, who probably didn't see the originals, they're not really going to know. This feels like it's a movie for us. You know, it's a movie kind of like Incredibles 2 was. But at the same time, I'm just I'm not interested because I felt like Toy Story 3 kind of wrapped things up pretty well. And I just don't feel like I needed another one. I agree with you on that. We didn't actually need another one. I thought the trilogy wrapped it up quite nicely, but they were able to go ahead and find another reason and find another excuse for a Toy Story. So at least we'll give it a chance. Like you said, these youngsters that are out there probably won't have ever seen the first three Toy Stories, so they have no idea how special it was to a certain generation of kids out there. Is the movie going to cater to the young audience or is it going to cater to the older audience that watched and enjoyed the first three Toy Stories? So we'll we'll have to wait and see. And also, is the sport character, is it someone that kids are going to rally behind and kids are going to be able to be interested in watching his story unfold throughout the entire picture to have and so, uh, until the point where he sees the perspective that many of the characters in Toy Story already do. All right, that takes it for our trailer overload. If you want to catch many of these trailers, you can go ahead and check it out on our Pop Culture Cosmos YouTube channel. It's right there for you. There's a lot of trailers that Josh just posted up there. So if you get a chance, check it out today. That's Pop Culture Cosmos on YouTube. Right now, we've got a great song coming up from our good friend, Chad and Hyperschmidt. He's also, along with Trudai, going to be at the Retro City Games in Henderson next month for a charity event. This is After All, and this is the PCC Multiverse. Here at the start, where you are, oh, I would not change a thing. You are dear, you are flawless, will you fix my broken wing? On a ledge, can you see what you know you're looking for? I am sure I've forgotten. Once again, I lost my goal. In my problems, I feel small. It's the climb of a life. It's a fight and I know we're gonna fall. Bloody knees, broken wings, and it's worth it.
listening to the pop culture cosmos if you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games we can help retro city games in henderson nevada only five minutes from the las vegas strip has all your favorite gaming staples classics and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves come in and chat with nicole or doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite and don't forget retro city games loves trade-ins so if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. My friend, before we head on out, got to mention to everyone out there, if you need a listing where we're at, check it out today. Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, also as well, Twitter, Instagram as well. I know you got a great thing going on with Humanica Media, so share the goods, my friend. What's going on with Humanica Media? can check out gaming videos devil may cry 5 halo halo reach i think they're also available on pop culture cosmos channel too but topic apocalypse there'll be a new episode going up on saturday so be on the lookout for that and just uh there'll be some stuff being announced in the future but um you know again i just timing is not my thing right now so i'll let you know something when i know something but keep following the facebook page has it ever been your thing nope never <laughs> A new episode is going to be available Saturday on the Topicocalypse channels on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and over, you know, I guess two dozen different podcast outlets. And then also look for it on Tuesday nights on the Podcast Radio Network. My friend, before we head on out, we got to talk about what's going to be the number one movie at the box office this week. And that is the follow-up to the awesome movie in 2017, Get Out, from director Jordan Peele. He is back again with us. It has garnered very, very strong reviews. Your thoughts on us being able to strike it as well as, or even better than, his great movie, Get Out. It looks good. It, it you know, as far as Get Out goes, like Get Out was a, a pretty trippy concept. 
This also looks like a pretty trippy concept, but it has the disadvantage of following a movie that's pretty critically acclaimed, and it has a lot of people wanting it to be as good as Get Out. But I'm wondering, like, when the average film goer goes to see it, what their thoughts are going to be, because people are only willing to give psychological thrillers, you know, so much attention these days, because it's just a, kind of a, a dying genre, and it was done really well with Get Out. But with this movie, I personally don't really want to see it that badly, but Again, I'm curious like what the average moviegoer is going to say about it because it's usually people like you and me who want these follow-up films to be as good as the last because that's what we're already comparing it to. So do you think that it's going to reach that? That's going to be a hard deal. I understand that the reviews are great for it, but if you're asking for it to be a box office smash and also critically acclaimed to the point where it gets an Oscar for Best Original Screenplay, I mean, the threshold is very, very high. But if any film can do it, I think us can do it. And it looks like from at least the first week going forward that us is going to be debuting very strongly. Whether or not it will have legs and be able to hit the threshold of $255 million worldwide that Get Out hit. And of course, the Oscar nomination for Best Picture and the actual Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay. That remains to be seen. But still, all signs are pointing that at least it's going to do very well for itself. If you go check out the latest horror movie from Jordan Peele in this weekend's Us. What are your thoughts out there on Us? Are you excited to go see it? Do you think it's going to be a great follow-up to Get Out? And do you think it's actually going to be as good or better? Share us your thoughts, PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. I want to thank Plasma Z and Hyperschmidt for providing awesome songs. You got to check out what's going on with Plasma Z stuff on SoundCloud, Hyperschmidt on his YouTube channel as well. We still got our Monday show coming up very soon around the weekend. It's going to be something that's really good because Josh and I are going to go into detail on the Disney Fox merger. Now that it's finally happened, what are the repercussions? We're going to actually make a list to see what we want really upfront, first and foremost, when it comes to this Disney Fox merger, the properties that are going to be involved that we really want to see done and done well right away in the near future. And the ones that might be suffering the most from it and the properties and the projects that might actually never come to light and the properties and the projects that we hope one day Disney will actually find the, the I guess, the spirit to see come to life once again. Any last thoughts on the way out, my friend? Yeah, actually, I I watched 2014's Godzilla, or I'm like in the middle of it, and I gotta say, man, like it's in it's conceptually it's really cool, but there's just not a lot of story threads to grasp onto there. So I do want to talk about King of Monsters one day because it seems like it's also going to suffer from something like that. So we'll just we'll we'll put that on the plate for another day, you know, because it's coming out in a few weeks. It is coming out in a few weeks. I have seen the trailer. I've not got a great interest of it, but I did see the Godzilla 2014 movie, and it was there. Didn't say it was great, but it was there. And maybe they'll do a better job this time around. Obviously, enough people liked it to where it warranted a sequel. Didn't warrant it coming right away, but let's hope that Godzilla King of the Monsters will be good enough so that it will facilitate a series of Godzilla movies or maybe monster movies in that same vein coming up down the road. 
And that would be something that obviously would take us back to the time period when Godzilla movies were coming out all the time back, oh my gosh, way back when in the history of cinema. So that would be actually something cool to see, a Godzilla movie, a Mothra movie, and all that, all that once again, that entertained so many people way back when. Maybe, again, like I said before, history will repeat itself and the King of the Monsters will rise once again. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glasser. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great Let's talk about the Flopcast. Where every week we drink a lot of coffee and we talk about comic books, movies, conventions, music, Saturday morning cartoons. Oh, don't forget the coffee. Lots of weird, obscure pop culture stuff from the 70s and 80s. And chickens. Yeah, chickens. This will be the stupidest half hour of your week. We guarantee it. You can find us on the ESO Network. And... Flopcast.net. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.